Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Oh, I recorded that, so I put that in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Save it for the vault. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in the Ring RFC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, just well. catching up with Steady different away. people from around the city. It's very strange um, being between London and, and Berlin. It's like... Are you between them now? It's a multiverse. Well, just you near know, work-wise, you know. It's, it's a... Ooh, it's wow. A, this is a big reveal. It's not a big reveal. Oh, God. You know what it is? It's like, um, it's a... It's like going through a multiverse. Like, yeah. those countries are so, Germany and like the UK are so different, like politically at the moment. It's just like, what, what it just in terms of the, the context, and it's just wild. And I, I find myself adjusting. I feel amphibious at the moment. <laughs> Very amphibious. Like, oh, I'm, on la- I'm, I'm like an amphibious creature that prefers it much, much more underwater. Didn't you say that about goalkeepers coming up? Like, Yes, the Allison thing. Yeah, I think I feel like Allison now. I think I feel amphibious. <laughs> nice man. So Musa Okwanga is officially between London and Berlin. Everyone, oh there god, you go. oh no! If you can start looking for me, he's <laughs> one of those people. I'm paying my taxes. Yeah, Listen, kind of, leave me alone. I'm kind of, I'm kind of between London and Berlin right now. What's that? Amsterdam. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, anyway, let's get on to the show. We hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can, obviously. Wrighty's house went up on Wednesday, just me and Ian on this one. And we talked a lot about Aubameyang leaving Arsenal mm. and what it means for Arsenal's striking options and some other bits and bobs. So that's up on the Ringer FC feed now. Uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer and check the ringer.com in general. Caelan Jones wrote an absolutely amazing piece about uh, the Brian Flores stuff. But yeah, loads of good stuff going up on the Ringer. Yeah. Also... If you do listen to us on the podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. And uh, Stadio Archers plays on Spotify, all the music we play on each episode. Uh, so today, we are going to talk a little bit about some games that happened this week. But also, we're going to go on to our kind of January transfer window debrief. Yes, indeed. Talk about some moves we liked, why we liked them. Maybe talk about some people who didn't move, who could have moved. Just basically have a bit of a chit-chat because... 
we've started the two previous episodes with stuff that's been quite heavy. Yeah. And while that stuff continues to go on, we thought we would do something a little bit more breezy today. So on that note, I would like to start actually before we get into the football. Talking of breezy, we have we received an email <laughs> from a oh, PhD amazing. student amazing. at the Department of Economics at Harvard University. Brainy McBrainy. Tillman Graf. Tillman sent us probably one of the best emails we've received since we started Stadio. One of the greatest emails I think ever sent into a podcast, in my opinion. Yes. So, good. so for those, a little bit of a recap, and I promise this will be the third and final time that we mention this, I hope. We won't revisit it, put it that way. Our silly spur of the moment, Penenka Law. I say our because I keep dragging Musa down with me on it. It's not, it's not yeah. like this. Listen, this is um, you. You're all... <laughs> and we obviously had Joe Devine from TIFO's follow-up last week. I actually DM'd Joe when this, when this email came in and said, Joe, we've got this email and uh, it doesn't look good for you, Joe. Let <laughs> So Tillman, thank you for sending this. We're going to read this out. So dear Musa and Ryan, I'm writing because I kept thinking about your idea of reforming the penalty shootout by instituting one mandatory penenka over the course of the first five shots of the shootout. I'm studying game theory as part of my PhD research and so couldn't help but analyse your proposal theoretically. At this point, I'm not going to lie, I was terrified about what was, what was going to happen. <laughs> I was loving it. My first thought was, guys, what a naive idea your proposal would immediately unravel. The idea being that, as you rightly pointed out, no shooter would ever wait until the fifth shot to use the Penenka as the goalkeeper could, with absolute certainty, save the last one. Thinking one step further, imagine we're on the fourth penalty of the shootout and the Penenka has not been taken. By the above logic, the keeper knows that no player would wait until the fifth and so again, with absolute certainty, would know that the Penenka would have to happen now in the fourth. However, apply the above to the third round and so on, all the way back to the first, a process known as backward induction in game theory. <laughs> By this logic, the goalkeeper should expect the Penenka to happen in the first round. However, on second thought, it's not so clear again. If the keeper expects the Penenka to happen in the first round, the shooter could trick everyone by using a mixed strategy, i.e. <laughs> randomising when to use the Penenka. Here is where it gets a bit complicated. But after a bit of game theory and math, <laughs> you can work out that the equilibrium strategy by the taker is to randomly pick a round in which they use the Penenka, where the later rounds are less likely to be chosen, but importantly, not zero. The keeper's optimal response is to expect the Penenka each round with some probability, <laughs> unless it ha has happened already, at which point the keeper should go back to normal penalty behaviour. Extensions like you discussed where more than one Penenka can be taken do not fundamentally alter this result. Crucially, the optimal strategy <laughs> will thus feature a le at least a small chance that the Penenka happens in the last round, which seems paradoxical. <laughs> Funnily enough, this has clear parallels to what is known as the surprise test paradox in logic, which is a fun way to tie knots into your brain. 
The takeaway from all this is that, indeed, your proposal is much more elaborate and fun than I had initially thought. The optimal strategy is far from trivial and could lead to lots of game-theoretic drama, elaborate drama, nothing less than I have learned to expect from Stadio. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for the pseudo-scientific ramble. Really enjoyed the show. Keep up the good work. All the best from Boston. Tillman. Tillman, thank you Delicious. so much for sending that email. Because there is nothing more fun than when far greater brains than ours take a very, very silly spur of the moment suggestion. That's the ultimate hot take right there. That's not a hot take though, because it's not actually an opinion. It's a suggestion about an alteration. It's not, I think, I don't think this is like... This well, no, it's a hard take. This you isn't thought any it'd be good. Stephen A. Smith stuff. You thought it'd be good. I mean? no. no, but that's why it's so devastating because... Yours is very dangerous because Stephen A, you know, people, it is what it is, but that one, it's like a, a fiendish exam question. It's like an exam question. It's the final. <laughs> That's the kind of question you get at uni in the final paper. You're like, oh, 25 marks out of 100. You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So there's nothing more rewarding than a very serious brain taking a silly idea that we have and actually running the probability on it. So funny. I'm, ho- I'm so here for it. So thanks, Tillman. Amazing. That made my day. And therefore, I stand here victorious. <laughs> <laughs> the mandatory Benega rule works, everyone. So good. Don't at me ever again. Someone did at you. Someone said they were called Hanenkas from now on. Hanenk. Hanenkas. Someone's like, who it was. It was Joel Hintz. <laughs> Joel Hintz. <laughs> yes, Joel Hintz. Has, that kills has me. T- has, yes. No, I, I can't. I can't take credit for that. Can't do. Too late. I can't. But I can't. I, can't but I, won't. I can, but I won't. Anyway, <laughs> says, there you go. Nice and something nice and breezy and fun to start off the podcast. So let's it. get into the actual football after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, and where do you want to begin? Oh, uh, probably AFCON, yeah, AFCON semi. Burkina Faso, Senegal, Senegal prevailing 3-1. But... Shout out to Burkina Faso. Do you know what I love about this? Both teams brought it throughout the tournament. Yeah. Burkina Faso have been bringing it for years, to be honest. Like they've been punching for years. Um, and the thing I love about this game, you look at the scoreline, it really does not reflect the balance of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Senegal, in, in the sense that Senegal deserved that victory, don't get me wrong, but the goals arrived really late in this one. And Burkina Faso played like they went toe to toe. Mm. Like possession, shots, all of that. What, like um, 10 for Burkina Faso, 18 for Senegal. Possession was fairly even as well. And it wasn't just breakaway football. Like Burkina Faso really brought it and they held possession high up. It was really impressive. And 
the really um, the great thing about this game was that, uh, and I said this before with Afcon, the superstars showed up. They did not mail it in. It's really difficult yeah. sometimes with these tournaments. So much expectation, and this is a great generation. Like Ali Ucise has done a fantastic job with uh, Senegal, and there's a feeling he really has, this, man. He has, man. Like, and this is the thing. This is this is legacy coaching at this point. This is legacy coaching to maintain that intensity across tournaments as he has to keep that core strong, to bring in new players and to have them contributing alongside the established uh, greats is really something. Uh, and also he's been responsible for every single final they've got to in AFCON as a player. He was there in 2002 and then as the oh, manager wow. in 2019 and as the manager now, like Amazing. he's been there every single one. Incredible. And, and seems not to have aged. <laughs> See he's, that people? I, you know AFCON's good for the skin. Was, <laughs> he rocks the tracksuit get up with the Nikes in the sense of, I don't know, I really like the way he was wearing his mask as well. I'm wearing my tracksuit, but I don't look scruffy. A smart tracksuit. That is a, that is a tricky one to nail, but he's also like, he's kept in such good shape. That's the thing. He's and like the just, 50 year old that plays football, looks, 30 year old still. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he's, yeah. I think he's amazing, man. Yeah. He's the granddad, his tracksuit. Like my granddad would wear his like white Adidas tracksuit. And it was, I don't know how the man kept this thing so crisp because the man lived you know, he, he lived in like, he lives in the Thames Valley, right? This is like a place where it's easy to get white trainers. The, this man was the crispest white tracksuit and white trainers all the time. And like, Ali Ossisa reminds me of that. This man's just going to be crisp his entire life. Um, yeah, I, you're never going to, I don't think you're ever going to see Ali Ossisa uh, with a, with a, with a, with a belly. Say. Yeah, you'll never catch you him know, slacking. He's, he's going to be, him. yeah. But um, I'm just really pleased with the man. What's interesting about these Senegal players is they, they kind of all deliver. Like mm. you look at the people in that tournament, like like Koulibaly, for example, the intervention he makes in the second half, this side challenge, was it still yeah, nil-nil at the time? Through, yeah. Unreal. Mm. And Burkina were giving it to them. They were giving it to them early. I mean, even after they lost their keeper, I wasn't sure about that actually. When I saw that uh, Heve Coffee went up for the, um, to punch clear. And I was like, I mean, he went off injured. I mean, he paid for that in the end, but he went off with, in, with an injury. But I looked at that and thought- yeah, it was a, he Originally given a penalty, right? Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I, I thought it kind of, it's a tough one. Do you? Yeah, I, well, I, see, I, I have to admit, I'm not entirely sure what happened. Because he had to go for it. Because, it was weird. It, was, yeah. it almost looked like the ball was headed onto, I thought like he had to go for it, right? And that's the keeper's right. It almost felt like the striker got there slightly before he did. Mm. Um, but yeah, he paid a terrible price for it, obviously. Uh, went off and hopefully fine. But yeah, really impressive from Senegal. And this is the thing as well, I think I said the other day that they've got a range of goals in that in that squad. That's what makes them mm. impressive. They're probably the most um, very goal scoring in the tournament. And this is not a tournament known for, you know, we, we've seen it. It's not been a tournament where teams have been getting really like put away, having it handed to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think Marshall, um, there, was another, there was another penalty shout on Sadio Mane and there was yeah. another one that was given for handball that was overturned. Mm. Do you think those two were, f were fine? It's again, seen them given. They were not implausible. Right. I think they could have, yeah, they could easily have been given. And we're just lucky they weren't decisive. We're lucky those decisions were, I've actually put it this way, I think they should have been given because if the game had been a lot tighter, we would have been scrutinising them. Mm. As it was, yeah, I'm, kind I'm of 50, ran away 50, with actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they didn't need him in the end. Um, also, the final goal, the Manny goal, was, was amazing because I can't remember who it was on the deck. Who was it on the floor? Who kind of intercepted his own player's pass and then it just like, broke for Senegal yeah. <laughs> um, but Senegal through to the final Burkina Faso will obviously play whoever loses out of Egypt and Cameroon in the third place playoff Those, both of the final and the playoff are on Sunday 
So we'll talk about those on Monday's episode. Very quickly, Chelsea women through to the League Cup final. They beat Manchester United 3-1 on Wednesday. Another League Cup final. Rema Hayes, the Conti Cup final. Man City Spurs is tonight, so the winner of that will face Chelsea. Other games you want to shout out? Copa del Rey, quickly. I think Sid Lowe pointed out that Rao Vallecano have gone into their first Copa del Rey semi-final since 1982, uh, wow. which is pretty amazing. Um, they beat Mallorca 1-0 and Valencia beat Cardiff 2-1. Kicked off again. <laughs> Kicked off a Kicked lot. Kicked off these, again. These cups are spicy, actually. These cup tournaments are spicy. Well, obviously there's history there with Valencia and, and Cardiff because mm. of the uh, De Arcabi racial abuse from last season. Oh, yes, yes. Good shout. It got a little bit spicy at the end of the game, yeah. The US men's national team got back to winning ways, beating Honduras 3-0. And quite possibly one of the most silliest decisions where to host a football game I think I've ever seen. I think it was minus 21 Celsius in Minnesota. And now there's a, there's a couple of reasons why the game was moved there. One, one argument was because of travel from the Canada game. The other day it was shorter distance. But like, there's a legit safety issue here. You know, when players are given the green light to wear complete face coverings, topical at the moment, makes you wonder, huh? Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, interesting. Because it is so cold. I can't remember which TV outlet it was, but they had held a t-shirt that was frozen stiff to show how cold it was. Wow. Yeah, loads of parts of the country where you could have just played normally would have been fine. Someone said like a lot of those players are from like some of the hottest states. So yeah. even the kind of prejudice of like, oh, they're from Honduras, they won't fancy the cold. Well, how about your own players won't fancy it? Come on, man. Just play in San Diego. Let everyone have fun. <laughs> Canada maintained their gap at the top. They beat El Salvador 2-0 uh, with one of the best goals I've ever seen in this game. Oh, I didn't and see TV the goals. TB Hutchinson scored from being laying on the ground. The ball hit the post, hit the El Salvador defender, then ricocheted off Hutchinson and went in and the keeper <laughs> tried to scramble and it was it was incredible. It's actually quite, uh, it was actually quite, what's the word, like hypnotic. If you watched it over and over again, it's just like, whoa. I can't believe this has actually happened. Yeah, very fun goal. Um, any other games? Oh, actually one game I want to shout out. Old Firm Derby on Wednesday. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Celtic beating Rangers 3-0. Without Aaron Ramsey, he's not ready to play yet. It was a huge derby, this. Very, very important derby. I mean, the Old Firm is always important anyway, but this yeah. one in particular because it meant that Celtic went, uh, overtook Rangers at the top of the league. They go a point ahead of Rangers now. They were 3-0 up at half time. Thoroughly deserving of it. New sign in Rio Hatate. He opened the scoring after a few minutes. It was a um, lovely goal, but deflected slightly. But the second one was so good, man. He got the ball kind of just outside the box. You know that Tony Kroos angle against Arsenal? When yeah, he when he, when it? he yeah, yeah, it's clean. Yeah. So he's in a similar yeah. position there, but he takes a touch and just bends it into the near post. It was an absolutely beautiful goal. And then Celtic scored another one a couple of minutes later, going 3-0 at half time. For that to be your first old firm derby as well. Yeah, I know. And he scored, he's like, he joined in the January window and he scored three and four games for Celtic already. He looks like nice. he's going to be a Legit. really, really fun player for them. But yeah, I want to shout that out because we don't shout out Scottish football enough on this podcast. Um, yeah, good shout As we'd like to. Yeah, yeah, good point. Always watch the old firm derby. Any other games you want to talk about? Uh, a couple of quick, I mean, there's this World Cup qualifiers, uh, Conor Ball. Uh, Brazil looking really impressive against Paraguay and Argentina beating Colombia 1-0. That was noteworthy because uh, Emmy Martinez, it's the first time that Argentina are allowed to celebrate with the Copa America trophy, I think, in front of fans. 
So Emi Martinez was walking around after the game while the Colombia goalkeeper was doing his post-match celebration and was holding the trophy up. And Argentina fans seem to enjoy that very much. They've got like, they've got incredible spirit that that's what they're worth keeping an eye on. No Lionel Messi though, because he was back to France. It happened Monday night after we'd recorded. But uh, Nice being PSG. Notable in, because of the Penenka the by Dante cup. in the shootout. <laughs> <laughs> which Stadio listeners could not get enough of and sent us several tweets about. <laughs> You're going to start getting notifications whenever a Panega happens anywhere in the world, you'll get a notification. You've got like a special app made for you. <laughs> you know, like when people, when you just kind of go, I'll start going, oh, like rubbing my temples. You can feel it. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> like, you're right. And I was just like, oh no, I feel like, I feel like someone's just done a Panenka somewhere. So you can feel it. I can sense it. It's going to times. You- I'm going to be like, whoa. I'm going to be like the mind hunter or whatever it is, but just for Penenkas. Oh God. Oh, it's Any like time, ice cream you know, headache. <laughs> I get like an ice cream headache every time there's a Penenka. Oh. You know, with you, there's two notifications you get, I think all the time when Penenka gets, when a Penenka happens and when any team brings on more than one right back at once. Oh, I and think, the other yeah. one is, is clothing, managerial clothing. That's true. Actually. I always get, yeah. Talking about, if we get into the transfers, um, Dani Alves wasn't registered for the Europa League for Barcelona, which is super weird considering like his record in Europe specifically. Like that's just like such a nailed on thing you'd want him for. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Xavi knows what he's doing. It's just that, you know, that's a strange one. But anyway. Speaking of right backs, I was going to see if I could NFT my Game of Thrones right back Iris. JPEG. <laughs> NFT at all. Someone yeah. probably already sold it. All right, let's get into transfer stuff after this. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars returns only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it! Believe me! She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte. Two episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. All right, man. Transfers. The window slammed shut Monday night. Can we start with the, with the fact that the Premier League is on one? It's definitely. Oh, yeah. What's that stat that you found? The stat? Uh, yeah, the bottom five of the Premier League spent more in January than the entirety of Serie A. I think it was like twice as much as La Liga and three times as much as the Bundesliga in Liga. Just the bottom five in the Premier League. Yeah. But Dan Burns is just like, sorry, you want to pay me how much? Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm there. Although they did some smart business in terms of like getting 
uh, Bruno Gimarish. Gimarish. Like that is that is a that is an elite signing. It is an elite signing. Someone there knows what they're doing. Well, you'd hope so. You would hope so. But the reason I say this is because we have seen it so many times when like, the first phase of transfers for wealthy clubs often is bad because you're there mm. throwing money around and you don't make signings where people go, mm, that's my, like, quite often you see it. I'm not going to name names, but we've seen signings before when clubs come into money. Um, well, we've talked about the source of, we talked about the money. Um, when clubs come into money, and there's a kind of giddiness. And there has been a bit of giddiness. They've been knocked back by a lot of people. But, you know, Trippier and Gimarish, kind of your first two really landing. Uh, well, they're two of your first three. The other one I'm not so sure about. But those are two, like, very smart signings, in my opinion. You've got solidity. And his, his passing into the final third is some of the best in Europe. I mean, it's a massive coup. Yeah, a DM with progressive passing. Like, you know that he's good because fans of clubs, like, far, far higher up the league were absolutely gutted at that. Mm. So yeah, that is a strong, strong signing. And it's all about, of course, it's all about avoiding the drop for them. It's all about that for them. Yeah. I, I find it interesting that they went after Duvan Zapata for a loan deal and couldn't get him. I'm surprised he was even in the conversation. I am. Like he's been huge for Atalanta, like this year. Absolutely huge. I just don't, yeah, I was kind of, I was, I, was, I was slightly annoyed that he was that available. Like, you know, when a player's name is being circulated, that I'm like, come on, Atlanta. Like, can you really, is this someone who can really afford to shift? Nine goals in 16 games for Atalanta in the league this year. Right, right. That's a, that's a guy that's proven for it. Yeah. I think it's probably a money thing with Atalanta. They know that if they sell to a Premier League club, because I think it was an option to buy if Newcastle st- uh, stayed up and West Ham went after yeah. him as well. So alone with an option to buy, anyone now just sells to a Premier League club, they know that they're going to, yeah, get above and beyond what they're worth. A That's lot an extra time. wing of the academy for Atalanta, and frankly, they're producing young players like no one's business. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So there was something with uh, Jesse Lingard being refused, like Manchester United not allowing Jesse Lingard to move to Newcastle because of, <laughs> I think, because if Newcastle do stay up, they're mm. going to potentially be a, a, a rival for top four with the fun, with the finances they have. I found that quite interesting how people are already showing signs in the Premier League. If you look who sold to them. Yeah. Dan Byrne thing at Brighton is an interesting one, but I don't think that they, I don't think they really mind at the moment. They're not really worried about Champions League. They're just kind of step by step in progress. Mm. But with the Newcastle thing, this window reminds me a little bit of, and I don't want to sound disrespectful here by any means, but it reminds me a little bit of like, remember that window that Hertha had that time where they just signed like Piontek yeah. and Lucas Toussaint. Lu- like everyone was after Lucas Toussaint. Yeah. And then Hertha signed him and it was like, what? Right. Everyone in Europe has been going after Lucas Toussaint and Hertha have got him. They just spent a load of money in a couple of windows and it didn't really change much. No. Newcastle have had a good window considering where they were at beforehand. The players that they've managed to get in and getting a marquee signing like Gimaraj is huge. I still don't think it guarantees them staying up though. And that's the problem. They've had a subpar window considering their resources, I would say. They really could have done with a couple of other bits. Right, right, yeah. The problem that they have now is that everyone knows that they have so much money that they're just going to get fleeced. Yeah. Kind of happened with Manchester City when they first got taken over. And they, yeah, they right. had to spend a load of, they had to essentially waste a load of money on some players to move them up a notch. I'm surprised they haven't done better in attack. Like, yeah, sure up the defence, but that, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't land a Gamarish equivalent in a striking spot. Mm. That's weird to me, right? That's weird to me. If you look at like, Example, look at, see, one of the signings I find really intriguing, he's actually arriving in the summer, Dennis Undav, 
Brighton. So Brighton, they've got um, Dennis Undav, I think has got like 18 goals and nine assists in 25 mm. in the Belgian league. And this is a kind of Emmanuel Dennis type signing where you look at that, you look at how productive Dennis was in Belgium, the first division, you're like, actually the stats, I'm sure, you know, Brighton, like they're absolutely like fiends with the stats. And this is a player I'm really excited by. Now I wonder if someone like Undav, he's at Royal Union St. Galois, the top of the Belgian league at the moment. Like I wonder if a player like that existed out there in Newcastle, didn't go for him. They didn't think he was proven, but I think that's the, you need to gamble on those things, right? Like what keeps mm. you up is, I, I understand the, the decision to stem the tide. I, d- I get that. But what keeps you up ultimately in those relegation battles, Carlos Tevez showed it, it's the, it's the goals and decisive, it's a cliche, it's the goals and decisive games. So mm. Newcastle now are like, it's like, keep it tight. But that's what, what they've done almost is, okay, like we know there's a hole in the boat. We've plugged the hole in the boat. Okay, great. But, but like you need some, like a bit more buoyancy than that. You need to like bail out the water. Like you need, and you need who, where are the goals going to come to bail you out? That's what interests me. Now, here's the thing about Newcastle. I don't worry about them in that sense because, frankly, if any club in the history of football has been able to absorb a relegation, it is Newcastle, right? Like, and even the concept of getting fleeced doesn't exist because when you have infinite resources, you can pay huge amounts and it's fine. Like, it's no, no skin off their nose. It's more like, it's like halfway recruitment. You know, if you can mm-hmm. get Gamarish and Trippier, you should be able to, like, land... Lingard or Zupata or, or an equivalent. Um, so yeah, that's a bit, it's a bit curious that one, I have to say. It's going to be a really, really interesting final few months of the season for Newcastle because mm. they've, got they've got to integrate a couple of people quick. Um, mm. I think Byrne and Chris Wood are obviously a little bit easier to do so because they're used to the league, but it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly Gamarish right, yeah. like, hits the ground, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about Spurs because I thought Spurs had a really good window as well and it could have been even better apparently because they <laughs> they apparently uh, Jack Pitbrook and Charlie Eccleshare in The Athletic revealed that they had a signed agreement in place with Porto for Luis Diaz. No. Yeah. Wow. What happened there? Well, obviously. Yeah, uh, the deal there. was, I'm taking this from the article, apparently the deal was supposed, uh, was rumoured, was believed to be for 45 million euros plus 15 million in add-ons. And it was, uh, terms were agreed with Diaz himself. Uh, he was away on international duty and the agreement wasn't yet signed by the time it was essentially thought to have been vetoed by his Colombian agent. Liverpool moved. Got him. Did Liverpool get wind of it? Maybe, but also he's such a Liverpool player. Yeah. Like such yeah. a Klopp player. Like yeah. this is such a perfect signing for Liverpool. I think it would have been a great signing for Spurs. Right. But... I think getting Bentancourt and uh, Kulaseski in. (laughs) They are extremely smart signings. They are serious footballers. Because there's a thing going on at Juve at the moment where I think that a lot of people are essentially, how to say this, a lot of people who have gone to Juve over the last few years, their value has just tanked because they've been so stacked in certain positions that people have just been frozen out left, right and centre. You know, like Kulisevsky came in and what he was, he was at Atalanta really young and he came in, he was on loan and all of this kind of stuff. And then he all of a sudden looked like he was just going to play last season. Mm, yeah. Um, and it kind of didn't really. They're quite top heavy though, Juve, in his like position, yeah, like kind just of behind the front really, two. But this is the thing that now with Allegri coming back in, I think there mm. are more, 
that yeah, essentially reduces the amount of time that you're probably going to get up from because it's going to be super rigid, super solid and kind of like, you know, this is what's going to happen. You can't really, there's not really much room for experimentation under Allegri. So for Spurs and for Conte, who apparently Conte really, really wanted him when he was at Inter. And um, I think this is, I think these are two extremely good signings in positions that I think they need, you know, like they got rid of Deli Alley, <laughs> yeah. which I think is a great, like I really like transfers that make sense for both the club, the previous club and the player. Yes. I think Deli Alley is a prime example of that, how he just needed something different. Yeah. I, I've not seen a player soar and decline in such a, you know, actually that's not, that's not true. I'm not going to name names, but I, ha- I ha- there's, there's very few players that I've seen soar and decline like that. Never watched me play. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen me play, Jesus Christ. The Deli Alley move, I think is brilliant. Uh, just quickly on that before I get back to Kulisewski and Bentancur, because frankly, I cannot believe that, I cannot believe there was not an auction for Bentancur. It's absolutely brilliant. I love Kulisewski, but I think I can see where there wasn't an auction because people that don't know what he's fully capable of might look to him and go, well, his goal return is not impressive. But actually, if you look at what Juve do, he loves playing behind the front too. And Juve generally have that kind of wide thing. And like Chiesa's exploded in terms of form. Who's going to get ahead of him? Dybala's occupying that creative role, deep lying, uh, a bit more deep lying. And Morata's there too. That, that's a great configuration they've got at Juve and he can't really break into that, right? Um, whereas Bentancur is just brilliant. Like can slot him into pretty much any midfield and he'd do a great job. Like any midfield in the world, you could put him into and he'd be just really good. He's just a, a really fantastic player. And I'm surprised there wasn't more of an auction for his services. Uh, but on the Deli Alley move, one thing I'll note there is that, so he goes with Donny van der Beek to Everton, which I'm also quite hyped about. I'm very hyped about that because if we see those two, like van der Beek and like Gomez, for example, in midfield three, I like that a lot. With Deli and then Deli Alley just off Dominic Calvert Lewin. And Richarlison. Or, yeah, one of, one of two. Yeah, yeah, that, I like that. You're going to have to try and fit them. What you could, yeah, you could play a front three of like Ali, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. Really? You could try, yeah, you'd have to use it, start with it, but just have it at some point. Like it's like a narrow three. Right, exactly. Very much like Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin split and then Deli Ali just behind them. And then with like Van der Beek, Gomes and... uh, That's fun. Who else would you have in there? Dukuri? Yes, Dukuri. That'd be a lot of fun. 4-3-3 4-3-3 three, a- essentially or 4-3-1-2 I like that I'm not sure if Lampard would play that but like there you go be fun, I mean, he's, he's obviously thought about it but um, one other thing as well the Deli Ali farewell video that he posted on Twitter was so sad mm. like it was really really it was melancholic and it's the thing and Dombele went back to Leon, and it's funny because Marino said a couple of things about Deli Ali and Ndombele and it was like ah oh, like is he just being Jose and I suddenly thought to myself hang on a minute he is a cranky dude Mourinho right and he says a lot mm. of things and a lot of things are unfair, but every now and again, it's a bit like Kanye. You know, when Kanye does those big interviews and goes in these massive rants, and they're like, oh God, it's Kanye being Kanye again. He's just, and you start tuning out. Looking back over stuff Mourinho said about um, Ali and Dombele, and also like, because like this popped up in the context of Aiden Hazard actually as well. The stuff that he said about them is actually all pretty legit. It's pretty bang on. Like when he talked about him, I don't look, I don't think he should have publicly thrown players under the bus. I think that contributes to the problems. Like the things that he said about, for example, Deli Alley, where he said, look, you've got this great potential, but you're up and down. The Ndombele stuff about just the conditioning issues and that, look, that's all true. I just sometimes don't think that should come into the public domain. And that's the thing you say to someone's face behind closed doors. 
But also the really prophetic thing he said about Aiden Hazard when he's like, you know, they keep kicking this man and if they keep kicking him, one day there won't be a, an Aiden Hazard. And I was looking at Aiden Hazard's like injury stats before and after Madrid and dude, the amount of missed games since mm. joining Madrid is just, you know, so Mourinho is, you know, he's someone who, he says a lot of things, right? And a lot of things that are off base, but every now and again, he'll come out with takes that you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is why this guy. Yeah. You can't is, be that good yeah. and be wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. You can't, and also, be, you can't have been that good or won that much. And, and, you know, you never, you'll never lose no, all exactly. of that now. Do you know what I mean? You might get a little bit more cranky and you might lose your magic, but you're never going to lose all of your now at all. This is why, and I know, the only reason I mentioned Mourinho in this context is because when Tammy Abraham went to Roma, obviously like my heart was in my mouth because I'm like, this mm. could really go either way, but it's been beautiful. Um, one of the things probably keeping Josie in a job actually. So yeah. Tammy Abraham. <laughs> just, just, Can't say Tammy anymore without the hand gestures. That's, anyway, listen, Abraham. I'm jumping around on transfer. So give us, give us one that excites you because I've jumped around a lot um, in the last few minutes. No, Spurs ones are great. And I think Spurs are looking good. They get everyone yeah. back. I think they probably could. They probably could have done with another right back. If I'm nitpicking. Oh, another right back. Oh, oh. I mean, I'm not pushing an agenda. Uh, an agenda. Yeah, in an ideal fair. world, they may have. They may have got rid of Matt Doherty and got in another right back. It's one of those things. It's like if I had to say something. I think they've had a really good window. Yeah. And I think now the squad is starting to take shape. We've been quite critical of Spurs at points. It's also because they, like I say, they've kind of like they got themselves into a position where they were ready to go. They were, yes, like, absolutely, yeah. And that's that's why, like if they hadn't, then actually it would have been, we probably would have praised them more, but it's kind of like, oh, you did the hard bit. Actually. Exactly, it was set up. Yeah, you were you were all good to go. Like when bands or groups or whatever, they get themselves into a position where all they need to do is nail that third album and they are stratospheric and they absolutely fuck it. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> You've done, but it's, like, yeah, all but you needed to do was just stick the third record. It's like you see it with football, you see it with strikers the whole time. You have an incredible couple of seasons. This is why actually with Fiorentina flipping Dusan Vlajevic for 75 million euro, they might it's be smart. thinking- It's going to hurt, but it's smart. Yeah, they might be thinking this man, yeah, like he went off on one, but people are going to watch this man and be like, okay, we know what his runs are, we know what he likes, let's neutralise him. Can I, can I throw, I, I, I would, it genuinely wouldn't surprise me mm. if in three seasons time, Vlajevic is loaned out to the Premier League club. See, I mean- I hope he's not. I'm just, I want to clarify that. I hope he's not. Right. Do you know what's weird with Juve? When they go big on strikers, it's very iffy. Like Iguain, Ronaldo, they do, they, they've got a strange record where even if the players get goals, they destabilise the attack in interesting ways. So, well, interesting, not good ways. And the one thing I'll say about this, um, in a sense, Vlajevic will never have, his job will never be as tough as it was at Fiorentina because Fiorentina was doing more heavy loading, I suppose. Actually, mm. shout out to them. They got a great replacement in Arthur Cabral. That's really interesting. Oh, yeah, they really did. That's interesting. I would have taken him at Arsenal, actually. I really would. What, I think I'd put what, it in the right house group. What a name. That's like a film star's name, Arthur Cabral. That's like a, that's such a Don name. Um, but Vlajevic. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, someone, someone called for you. Who? Uh, I'd never, a guy called Arthur Cabral. Blood drains from person's face. <laughs> what name did you just say? <laughs> Arthur Cabral. Are you sure? Oh, um, it was definitely him. It was definitely him. He said you knew each other. Keep him in the lobby. Keep, no, he's already up. He's already on your floor. <laughs> but like, I, I put it in the right house group. I would have loved him at Arsenal. Yeah. But it's quite interesting that Fiorentina then got him as the replacement. Yeah. On the Vlajevic thing very quickly, because there's one other striking situation I want to talk about very quickly. So on the Vlajevic, I'm just going to say, 
in a sense, his job should be easier at Juve, given the talent he's surrounded by, but then the expectation, the pressure, because at Juve, you're just expected to score goals in astonishing volume. Like, I think he, he should. Mm. But I also wonder if they might feel they sold him the absolute top of the, top of the market. Yeah, but, um, what, but I want to clarify yeah. what I said, what I said about yeah. the Vlaovic thing. Like, I'm a big fan of Vlaovic, mm. but I'm just saying that like, the age, the profile, the club he came from, I mean, he might end up being like Baggio, you never know. But like, like you mentioned, the, the Juve's kind of weird relationship with strikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think they've yeah. all been fails at all, but like you see, you tend to see like actually people going to Juve a little bit later in their career and doing really well. Mm. It should go like thermonuclear. Yeah. Vlaovic, Chiesa and Dybala is scary and Morata too, I mean, in the mix. But yeah, I don't know. I don't want to sound critical, but it's just more no, like- it's fine. Uh, uh, one one you know. one uh, one striker move that really saddened both of us. Max Kruse leaving Union Berlin, going to Wolfsburg. Yeah, although he's going back to <laughs> Dembo. Stefan Ersfeld love that move. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that's really sad because Union Berlin fourth in Bundesliga and really looking great. And that that forward line and the way that Kruse was working with Awani was really good. Um, mm. But then they brought in uh, Sven Mikkel from Paderborn. Great, which signing. is just. Yeah, it's really, really good. Like Paderborn, it's such like a Union signing as well. It is, it is. And they just had that on. They had that unlock for a while. That's what I love about it. Yeah. They're just like they know what they're doing with their recruitment, right? They have certainly mm-hmm. got that nailed down. And um, Cruiser was Cruiser was great for them. Uh, he gave them so much authority and tack. Or are they going to miss that? No question. But and he was just a good personality. Like he's a, he's yeah. he's kind of a he's such a. I don't know, man. I saw Lewis Ambrose wrote a great thing about it saying, you know, how many footballers have you heard who have openly admitted to moving for money and no one's given him any shit for it? Right, exactly. Because he's, he's a footballing everyman. Mm. There's something strangely relatable about him, if that makes sense. Mm. I mean, when he signed for Union and he was like Instagram storying him going around Berlin on one of these like e-scooters. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. But Sven Mikkel, I wonder if he'd uh, been on the phone to Stadio favourite Stefan Baumgart, who, you know, is a, has ties to Union, managed him at Paderborn, and uh, who's, uh, whose wife still works in, I think, in the club shop at Union. Do you think he'll stay living in Berlin, Max Cruz? Max? Yeah. I mean, he's close to Wolfsburg. I mean, he's, going, he's going back to Wolfsburg. That's the thing. He's going to be like... Hey guys, I'm home because we should talk about this about Vakost. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Going to Burnley. That is that is a really Can I shout out Ken Early on Second Captains who referred to Valt Vakost as Burnley Football Club in human form. <laughs> that is the best shout. That's such a good shout. I'm annoyed I didn't come up with that. That's so brilliant. <gasps> so brilliant. Slightly surprised someone like Newcastle didn't go for him. I'm not. I think they've got enough I think they've got enough big strikers. Vakost, the one thing that he doesn't not have is the lightning pace, right? Yeah, it doesn't give you like rapid speed, the, the, the rapidity on the break that you'd like. But in all other aspects, I mean, this is a solid goal scorer. I mean, since he came in the Bundesliga, his goal record's not been bad. It was like 17 and 34, yeah. goal every two games. Mm. Goal every two games the following season, he got 16 and 32. And then last season, he had his kind of like his lights out season, which was 20 and 34 games. And that was mm. a major reason why Wolfsburg qualified for the Champions League. Like, for example, I think Sean Dyche is going to absolutely love him. Right, yeah. Christian Eriksen to Brentford. I think this might be my single favourite transfer of the window. In terms of like someone that is just being universally rooted for, um, absolutely. And actually like a player Brentford kind of need. Perfect landing place for him. They need, and they, but it's, it's, it's one of those ones, a transfer that works for both because Brentford, I think now 
need to freshen up a little bit. But a couple of results, I would say in the last sort of month and a half that have been not of the intensity that we saw open in the opening stages, right? I think it was the loss of Southampton that really got me thinking, yeah, they maybe need a little bit bit more variety. And Ericsson gives them that, playing the ball through the gaps, carrying it himself. Just, you know, an elite playmaker, really. And a great return from, obviously, a great return to action. I love this move for him because he'll get games. Mm. And he's a piece they really need. I could kind of help them like into a trans, you know, transition. This is actually an interesting th- signing because it's, it's um, Brentford transitioning into a Premier League club that's here to stay. Mm. Not to say they weren't that when they came up, don't get me wrong, but I just, I love watching teams that come up and stay up and what they do to stay up, like how they evolve. That makes sense. And he will definitely give them uh, evolution. I think. It's just the perfect place for him. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Frank is, a, he knows him well, coached him way back. So oh, great. he's, and I, you know, I'm a, I, I like Thomas Frank a lot and I have a soft spot for Brentford and I want him to stay up. Mm. And I just want Christian Harrison to be healthy and happy and get a few more years playing football at least. Yeah. And they're going to love him there. They're going to absolutely love him. Um, let's go to La Liga quick. We understand that we're just a heads up. We understand that we've missed a load of transfers out here, but these were just some that we wanted to talk about. We're not mm. showing favoritism or anything like that. Yes, we are. There's an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> talk about Barcelona because oh my god Adama Traore returning we talked about Aubameyang in detail on Wrighty's House from an Arsenal point of view but not really from a Barcelona point of view the Adama Traore one on loan is is a curious one because I love it to be honest I absolutely love it I mean I love it for a story I love it for a story I I, I love it for a tactical and to be honest I love I, I kind of love the Aubameyang one from a story as well because I'm glad that he in a sense, I'm glad that he got to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona. From a honest. tactical, I love the Adama. This is what, you know, I, I mentioned Adama to Real Madrid okay, before. Give me, like, yeah, give me, yeah, give me your thoughts on this though. This man dominates the right flank. He absolutely dominates it. Like you, that, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems with Barcelona in the last um, couple of years has been wide positions, specifically the right side, right? You look, Semedo had an absolute nightmare playing out from there and Dest because you know, when Dani Alves played out, you had the combinations with Messi and it was a nightmare. You couldn't deal with it. And all of a sudden you're giving the ball to Semedo, you're giving it to um, to Dest and you're like, progress the ball. And everyone's like, okay, this is what Barca like doing, but they can't do it anymore. And everyone's just clamping down on you, double, triple challenges. Like Adama Traore is unique, almost uniquely gifted at his ability to progress the ball from deep line positions beyond the half. And it basically, if you give him the ball five yards from the halfway line and beyond, he's going to make ground. He gives mm-hmm. you so much space to play with, to exploit, right? And all these, I just think that him just there on the right flank, stretching defenses, pushing them 15, 20 yards back routinely because of his ability to just break lines, break space, all the rest of it. That just gives you so much room to play with tactically. So you can do all your intricate passing. You can like make runs, you can cut. Like I just think it is, he's the chaos agent I think they needed. He's absolutely what they needed. And I think that that, you know, it's funny, we've seen this so often with teams that have, you know, Xavi is showing some interesting um, nuances. We've seen this before where coaches that have such, um, you know, relatively, not rigid structures, I'm not saying Xavi's rigid, but, you know, he has an ideology, right? A particular ideology. And on the face of it, Adama Troy doesn't necessarily fit into that in terms of what to achieve. But I think, you know, he knows he's been at Barcelona before. He's got a rough idea of what Barcelona need. It doesn't have the biggest like end in terms of goals, but I think that comes too. I think the quality of, not just the quantity of chance Barcelona will create 
by virtue of his broken field running, they haven't had, a, what's, what's his stats about? Like, I think that the most dribbles completed he's in the like final the best third. dribbler in the Premier League by, by completion. But, 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 yeah. And in, in the top five leagues, he's one of the best as well. This is the thing. Just his disruptive influence, his consistently disruptive influence, I think is, is the ace in the hole for them. And I'm really excited by it. Yeah, but they already have a couple of disruptors though. Who is like that though? Like the that. personnel that Barcelona have. And remember, this is a side who have like eight, no, 10, 10 forwards at the moment and didn't right. ship Dembele out. Mm. Who plays and when? I think that Adama, Aubameyang and either Memphis or Ferran Torres. I think, I because don't think... Because, me, yeah, because Ferran Torres has been playing what on the right-hand side though? Then I think... Well, I think that he's, a, I think that Adama's the right side locked down. You think he starts for Barcelona? I think so. I think he should. Well, I, I don't know if he does, but I think he should. I think he should. Because here's the thing, Memphis Depay cuts it off the left, right? That's his favourite thing. How do I say this? I think Memphis Depay might suffer from being the right player for Barca when they signed him. But I don't know if he's the right player over time for them. If I'm honest, I think Adama and Alves is a horrible proposition for any defender. Like try getting out of that. You've got the guile, you've got the the pressing, the speed. Like Adama Torari did, he did improve his like hold up play by the end. By the end of his time at Wolves, is really developing that part of his game. I just think that right flank is is a problem for defenders. I think it's Memphis that's going to have the challenge actually getting into that. Um, yeah. I think maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not enough of a visionary, but I'm just trying to, I'm looking at the people who have really shown up for Barcelona this season mm. and I'm wondering how, I'm wondering how it all fits. I want to see what the plan is. Right. I think Adama Traore will come off the bench and be a disruptor in games that Barcelona are needing something else. Do you know what? The, the reason I'm excited by it is only because when I look at Barcelona, unfortunately, I don't see a team that stretches how do I say this? I've seen them play some games, you know, under Chavi where I'm like, I'm really impressed by the passing sequences and this is not to do them down, but I'm not seeing enough change of pace and I'm seeing a little bit of, you're moving the ball around really well, but you're not penetrating. And you need to like, give the opposition something new to think about. You need to like force the issue. And like, it's very, it's all very well, like, you know, playing into someone on the edge of the box. They lay into the channels cross square, but then you've got no one crashing the box because no natural nines. Now, I think, I think that Aubameyang solves that problem. I think he can, well, he, he does, he can play through the center. Um, I think he solves that problem. I think he comes with motivation and I think he comes, you know, he's oven ready. Unlike Ferran Torres, who can play right, can play central. I think that Aubameyang is absolutely ready to play the nine, right? Mm. I just think that for me, it's about giving your midfield three, because, you know, they're not the most pugnacious, let's be honest, that physically, I think there's one challenge with them. And we saw with Barca in previous incarnations, if the team is not moving the ball high enough up the pitch and the midfield three gets in a physical battle, it just gets like, it's too much. It's, it gets ugly, right? I just think that the new pieces they've added give them the spacing to really be utterly dominant. You know, like with Spain, like look at Spain, when Spain ran it in the, Spain in the semi, against uh, Italy in the Euros and what Spain did with the front three there and in terms of they really pushed high up and just gave them room to just dominate. I think that could be a similar effect with the new players they brought in. Do you think Torres switches to the left-hand side? 
Ferran Torres. I think could. Maybe yeah, has I think like could. Torres, Aubameyang, Traore is the front three until Fatty comes back. Ansu Fatty that would be back. that would be my favourite, actually. That would be my favourite. Because he really doesn't seem to fancy uh, the pie at all, Javi. I'm not sure if he's even started a game under Javi. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so I, I think Torres, Aubameyang, Traore, gives you, Adama gives you like, gives you that variety. Um, people know the spots. Could work. Uh, on the Traore thing, I think it's a 35 million euro option to buy in the summer if Barcelona won him. Do you think they're going for the quick fuel injection? Well, I think they're in a tricky position, Barcelona, at the moment. And they're essentially doing the football equivalent of getting a load of dudes on 10-day contracts to try and get a playoff spot in the NBA. Yeah. There are a lot of short, medium, long-term signings. If Barcelona qualify for the Champions League, and even if they don't, to be honest, I think you are going to see such a wild amount of turnover in the summer. Yeah. A wild amount. Because also their wage, uh, wage cap goes up again, so they can start spending a little bit more. But yeah, man. I'm really intrigued to see it. And obviously the first, the first game that we might see it is Barcelona Atleti on Sunday. <laughs> yes. We will see. I was going to say, anything else you want to shout out before? We've, we, like I say before, we've missed a load, but you know, we can't talk about every single but Those are the ones that really stood out to, to me. Like, yeah, for us. Those, those us, are the like, ones I wanted those, to talk yeah. to you about. Yes, absolutely. Actually, one more shout out, just because I think he's the most wholesome transfer. I mentioned this to you on the phone, actually. Uh, Josh Gilavogi going from Wolfsburg oh, yeah. to Bordeaux. Just a really, really lovely man. Someone I just got to know a little bit um, going up there. And really nice man, like always doing his thing. Um, the club community staff, just really supportive of the club as a whole. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy for him. I mean, Bordeaux is still struggling in Liga. Around. But that's a, yeah, that's a nice move for him. So yeah, good luck to... Uh, it's a nice life, huh? Living in Bordeaux, playing football. <laughs> Think of the wine. Life is sweet. Good yeah, grief. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> every now and uh, again, actually, one, every now and again, just before we go, every now and again, I do this thing where I go through the kind of the career paths of players and just be like, wow, this man's lived in some nice cities. Florence, Good times. Seville, oh. Florence again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. What a lovely Goodness. career. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did oh. it for the wine. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Don't forget to check all the other stuff on Ringer SC. I'll try and do a piece this week. You've got a piece as well going up, I believe, on that's the right. yeah, yeah. slash soccer. That's right. Nice. So check that. We'll post them from the Stadio accounts. Stadio Outros players on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on one that you may recognise. It's the reprise of Aeroplane by We. Beautiful music. This one deserves lighters up. If you have a lighter, put them up. <laughs> Musa, anything you want to add? No, no, I'm all good. All present and correct. Oh, well, look I'm at just, that. I was just, I was already, I was already fading out to the weekend. Let's sway, let's sway to this one. <laughs> We're going to let this one run out. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 